0: everybody as we're in a world of chaos right now
1: us as Christians should still be a light and
0: smile and be kind and gentle to everyone that we do come in contact with they need to remember that God is still in control and he is a great God going to offer for you guys to stand and
1: worship with us this morning. Praise our Lord. Splendor of the King Clothed in majesty Let all the earth rejoice All the earth rejoice He wraps himself in life darkness tries to hide, and and trembles trembles at at his his voice, voice, and trembles trembles at at his his voice, a A prayer is our God and all will see how great So, so hot. Say that you're my God, you're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me, never know how much. upon that cross I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross So here I am to worship Here I am to bow down Here I am to say that you're my all together, lovely. All together, worthy. All together, wonderful to me. So here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that You're my God. You're all together, lovely. All together, all together, wonderful to me. Our next song is entitled At Calvary. Isn't it so wonderful that God thought so much of us that He sent His Son to die on the cross for us? As we sing this, I, I hope. That you will, I I want to tell you how great it is to hear you singing this morning. You sound so great. I'd like to hear these walls shake with this song here. So take a, take a deep breath and let's sing this song and make these walls quiver. Let's sing at Calvary. You're not touching anybody if you clap hands. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died at Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free, pardon there was multiplied to me. There My burdened souls found liberty at Calvary. By God's word, the my machine I learned. Then I trembled at the law I spurned. Till my guilty soul and turned to Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. One, and there was multiplied to me There my burdened soul found liberty At Calvary Now I came to Jesus everything Now I gladly earned him as my king Now my raptured soul can only sing Of Calvary Great and grace was free Pardon there was multiplied to me There my burden soul found liberty At Calvary Oh, the love that to salvation's plan Oh, the grace that brought it down to men. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span At Calvary. And grace was free Pardon there was multiplied to me There my burdened soul found liberty At Calvary Mercy there was great and grace was free Pardon there was multiplied to me There my burdened soul found liberty At Calvary
0: If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Zechariah chapter 5. Thank you, Gary and team, for leading us in worship. And then the last song that we sang at Calvary will um, be very fitting uh, as I close this morning. And as we go through Zechariah chapter 5 to remember and understand that at Calvary, there's the answer for us, that as we look to what Zechariah has to say to us this morning and understand, uh, we find that answer in Jesus. Uh, So if you have your Bibles, and the words will be up behind me as well on the screen, um, I'm going to be reading from Zechariah chapter 5. I know sometimes when the words are on the screen behind me and I'm reading and you say, Wow. Uh, Ralph's reading something different than what's up there and that's because Ralph likes his really old Bible and it's a 1980 I think a 1984 NIV translation and this is the more modern NIV translation. So there's words that differ Uh, So if you ever wonder that on a Sunday morning, why is Ralph messing up those words? It's because uh, the translations vary a little bit and as corrections are made or put into modern language because words change meaning over time Uh, that's a reality that we all have to face that a word that 200 years ago meant one thing does not mean the same today and modern translations do update those words to give us a better understanding so just an explanation why they're different but god's word zechariah chapter five i looked again and there before me was a flying scroll and he asked me what do you see i answered i see a flying scroll 30 feet long and 50 feet wide and he said to me This is the curse that is going out over the whole land For according to what it says on one side Every thief will be banished And according to what it says on the other Everyone who swears falsely will be banished And the Lord Almighty declares I will send it out And it will enter the house of the thief And the house of him who swears falsely by my name And it will remain in his house and destroy it Both its timbers and its stones Then the angel who was speaking to me came forward and said to me look up and see what this is appearing and I asked what is it and he replied it is a measuring basket and he and he added this is the iniquity of the people throughout the land and then the cover of lead was raised and there in the basket sat a woman and he said this is wickedness and he pushed her back into the basket and pushed the lead cover down over its mouth and then I looked up and there were before me two women with their wind with the wind in their wings, and they had wings like those of a stork. And they lifted up the basket between heaven and earth. Where, Where are they taking the basket, I asked the angel who was speaking to me. And he replied, to the country of Babylonia, to build a house for it. When it is ready, the basket will be set there in its place. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we prepare our hearts to receive your word this morning, to hear from you, to allow your Holy Spirit to speak into our lives. Help us to hear your truth from the words of Zechariah, from the prophecies that he foretold, from the visions that he saw. And those words take heart with us today, that we have an understanding of his prophecies and an understanding of your word that we can apply to our lives. May we be changed by your word this morning. May it come alive in our lives and be a light for our path. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Zechariah 1 through4, and as, as I warned some people on Wednesday night, Zechariah 1 through four, we have all of these wonderful, positive, uplifting promises of God, these prophecies of God of this great future that was going to happen, the coming Messiah. And then we get to Zechariah chapter five, and all of this comes to a stop. Uh, what is shown uh, from Zechariah chapter four takes a different turn. And So these promises of a great future come to this stop and we take this different turn where the people of judah are told and shown to them That in chapter 5 that even though there even though there's a bright future ahead of them Even though there's a great promises of God and a great promise of a a messiah that would come to save them God still takes seriously and is serious about the business of dealing with sin in their lives so one Sunday morning a married couple they were getting ready to come to church. And as they were getting ready to come to church, the wife started feeling a little bit sick and she said, "I'm just not going to be able to go this morning." So the husband said, "Well, I'm still going to go to church." And so he goes to church and he comes home and when he gets home his wife says, "Well, what was the sermon about?" And the husband says, "Sin." And the wife looks at him and says, well, the, the, the preacher must have said something a little bit more than that. I mean, what else did the preacher say? I had to say something more than sin. And the husband looked at her and said, God's against it. If you look at Zechariah chapter 5, there's the message. So if at this point you want to hit the button and, and tune me out, uh, you, you got the whole message there. Sin and God's against it. And that's what we have this morning in Zechariah chapter 5 and that there's a summary for chapter 5 And so as I look at these images and I look to the the prophecies that Zechariah brought forth here We're going to break down real quickly and go through them. I won't say real quickly There's my whole introduction this morning sin god's against it But we're going to start delving in and see what god wants to say to us And so we're going to start right out and looking at the first four verses In Zechariah and see what what i'm going to call the standard of sin where God holds up a standard for each and every one of us of what sin is and how we should react to it. Uh, right in the first vision that we have, we have this flying scroll. And we're, it's described to us as being 30 feet long and 15 feet wide. And this is the vision that Zechariah says. And if I count it off, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, as wide as as wide as wide this stage is, there's 30 feet. So if you want to put it in perspective, 30 feet, two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen. 10, 12, 14. I should have done this before church. Square this stage off and that's how big this flying scroll was to put it in picture It's flying over his head and we're not told whether Zechariah could read it or not read it But the the angel of the Lord read it for him and he gave him a picture where on one side of this It says that every thief will be banished and on the other side of it It says whoever swears falsely will be banished and verse 5 repeats the same uh, theme for us in verse 5 where we hear about the thief and the house of him who swears falsely by God's name. So we have two different things that are here. And so when it comes to our standard of sin, the problem in Zechariah's day, the problem in Jesus' day, the problem in our country 200 years ago, and the problem today is the standard of sin and making sure that we have a standard for sin that we understand. So in every generation, we do want to do this. they did it in zechariah's day they were doing it in jesus's day they were doing it in our country 200 years ago and we do it today we want to set the standard of sin as being the culture that is around us and that's how we we start to measure sin is in regards to this culture that is around us and as long as i'm above average in regards to the culture around me as long as i'm not as bad as the other guy there's my standard of sin as long as i'm not as bad as the other guy then that puts me on the good side of the scale and that becomes our standard for sin and it becomes a faulty standard of sin because the balance gets out of whack Uh, please hear me because as the culture sinks deeper and deeper as the as the water level gets lower and lower and lower if our standard of sin is to just be above average do you see what happens if I, would go back, if I would go back to Zechariah's day, I might say, well, the culture said the standard of sin was here. Well, as long as I'm above it, I must be okay. Well, maybe we went uh, uh, in Jesus' day and the standard was here. Well, as long as I'm above it, I might be here. Well, if we went to our country 200 years ago and you think the standard of sin was about here, and then I, I find myself that I'm, a, well, I'm staying above it, so I'm about here, and then I go to, well, the standard of sin today might be down here, well, as long as I'm staying above it, I'm I'm good. I'm okay. Do you see what happened to my standard of sin? Do you see where it went? My my standard of sin maybe back in Zechariah's day was up here, but now my standard of sin is down here. And the prophecy that Zechariah is bringing back, bringing forth with this, seeing this vision of this scroll, is one that culture does not become my standard of, of doing it. Just because the neighbor does it doesn't mean it's okay. The standard of sin actually becomes this book that we call the Bible now I'm going to bring you to and understand why we why I'm saying that the thief The one the one who steals. I, I think that was the eighth commandment I have to check my notes real quick. That was number eight The thief who comes to steal that's number eight The one who swears falsely by my name That was commandment number three So when we take the ten commandments and understand that we have this flying scroll that sets a standard for sin for us a Measuring stick for us and on one side is represented one part of the ten commandments And on the other side is represented the other part of the ten commandments Even Jesus brought this forth in Matthew chapter 22 when Jesus was questioned about the greatest commandment of the law Okay, is it, love the, you know, is it uh, thou shalt not steal? Which is the greatest commandment? Thou shalt not commit murder? Thou shalt not covet? Which is the greatest commandment? Jesus didn't list out the Ten Commandments. Matthew 22, Jesus replies, he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul with all your mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. Why did he say that? That's not one of the Ten Commandments, is it? If I take the first group of commandments, that is the group of commandments. Now i'm going to go to what else jesus said and the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself well that's not in the ten commandments is it no it's not but it represents the second half of the ten commandments we have two different sides of the ten commandments one is directed towards god one is directed to my neighbor and jesus highlighted that for us in matthew chapter 22 and then he says in verse 40 all the law and the prophets hang on those two commandments all the law of the prophets hang on those two two commandments one side of the scroll The other side of the scroll a flying scroll a standard of sin that flies about about us And jesus is taking those two sides and summing them up for us And the word of god is the standard of sin in our lives And we have to hold it as the standard of sin in our lives and never compromise anything Against the word of god because that's the basis and that's our standard of sin not the culture around us Now i'll give you some things and get on a soapbox for a little bit when we're building a house We have no problem following a code standard When you're building a business, you have no problem following a code standard. The inspector comes in and he looks to make sure that you're matching code, that you're following code. And we we believe that's okay. Why do we believe it's okay? Because I don't want to buy a house from a guy who built it not according to code. When the wind blows, I want it to stand up. When the hurricane comes, I want it to stand up. I want it to be to code. When I buy a new car... I certainly hope that they build it according to code I want my turn signals to work and the brake lights to work I want to be able to know that every time I hit the brakes my car is going to come to a stop because there's certain code And in Pennsylvania we get our cars inspected every year to make sure certain things certain safety things are up the code And we want to match that standard and we do it for the safety of our lives when we get into that car when we go hunting when we go fishing There's a code we follow. I can't just go out and shoot 25 deer in a single day. I can't just go out with a big net and drain the whole stream of every fish that's in there. There's a code that you follow when you go out fishing, when you go out hunting, and you follow that code. When it comes to baking a cake, when it comes to baking a cake, I hope that you follow a code. Because if you're going to invite me to come over to eat that cake, and you didn't put the right ingredients into that cake, I'm not going to be too happy because you didn't follow the recipe, the code for getting there and baking that cake. But why is it when we want to walk through this life as a Christian and God puts a standard in front of us, we refuse to read it and we refuse to obey it? See, we're okay with code in every part of our life, but when it comes to our Christian walk, we refuse to read it and we refuse to obey it. And at best, we believe and we obey what fits our own purposes, and what lines up with the culture around us. Since, since today's Father's Day, I'll pick on men. Men won't serve their wives. Men won't serve their wives, even though the Bible says that we need to do it. Men will exasperate their children, even though the Bible says that men don't exasperate your children. We, st- we covet and want everything that everybody else has. We steal if we think we can get away with it. We'll lie about our neighbor, and we'll definitely lie about our ex-spouse if it's to our benefit. We'll lie about our neighbor, ex-spouse, have the advantage. We, have Our faithfulness and fidelity in marriage is a ship that has long set sail. If we knew that we could kill somebody and get away with it, hey, run them over. No, If nobody's going to catch us, and no one will ever know, parents get no respect. There's nothing in, of God that's held holy anymore. God's name is a common swear word. In normal dialect even amongst christians we worship the god of consumerism television and bow at the altar of nature and everything is worshiped except for god and don't even get me started on how churches today condone homosexual marriage how people can stand up and say killing babies are okay or every other atrocity that's going on in this country don't get me started on how it's okay to get drunk on saturday night and turn around and worship god on sunday morning Or how we can post on social media how everybody just needs to love like Jesus loved and then you turn around and call somebody deplorable in your next post. Do you understand? If we don't have a standard for sin, everything else just gets thrown out with it. And then we sit there and we say, Hey, but the bad people are down here and getting lower in the toilet and as long as I'm floating on the top, things are okay. Just remember what floats on top in the toilet. <laughs> Just remember. And yes, I said it. Our standard has to be bigger and higher than what's floating. We need to have a standard for sin. And there, there's the flying scroll. There's the flying scroll. A standard for sin. And Zechariah is holding it up for the people of Judah and saying, You need to follow a standard. And God set it for you. And God's saying to us today, it doesn't matter what culture's doing. It doesn't matter what your neighbor's doing. It matters whether you have a standard of sin and what you are doing. We need to be careful with that standard of sin because the standard of sin never changes, never changes. And when there's no repentance, and no repentance when God's highlighting sin in our own lives, We rot from the inside out. I want to go to that next little part in verse 5 where it talks about a house being destroyed, both its timbers and its stones. A house being destroyed in its timbers and its stones. If we don't repent of the sin that's in our lives, it will rot us. It's like a cancer. It gets inside of us and it rots us. It's like a bad apple in in a bag of apples, a bad potato that's in your potato bin, a rotten onion. It starts to rot everything else in there and it rots it right from the inside out. Have you ever noticed that if you forget to get rid of that rotten potato in the bottom of your potato bin, where's your potato bin going to end up? It's going to end up out in the trash can because it'll rot the wood as well. See, you sin in the house, sin in the house, it rots the timbers, it rots the stones, it destroys everything from the inside right out. You give me a dad, give me a dad that loves God, that loves his wife, that loves his children, just give me those basics in the house and i will tell you most likely what is walking out the front door of that house are people that love god you give me a dad that doesn't and i will tell you what most likely is walking out the front door of that house people that don't love god set the standard of sin in our homes start at home what is that standard and are we going to live by it? Or are we going to follow it I want to keep going on with these prophecies and get beyond the standard of sin and go on to what I'm going to give to you as the stronghold of sin. Zechariah gives us this explanation, a direct explanation of the basket. I don't have to explain that. He talks about that the ephah, the basket that's there, it's iniquity. It's sin. This is iniquity. We find that in verse 6. But we're also told about this cover of lead that is there. This cover of lead on the basket, which is, which is the weight the stronghold of sin that just weighs us down. If you notice in the imagery, I don't read anything in this image at all in this prophecy about how they had to tie the lid down, how they had to put the latches on. And, and, you know, if you have a cooler, you put your cooler lid down and, and it'll blow back open if it's on the back of your truck. If you don't latch it down, you have a latch, you close it down. If you have a mason jar, you put the little screw lid on, you screw it on tight. I want to tell you with the weight of sin in your life, when you get rid of the standard of sin and you move on with the weight of sin in your life, the, the stronghold of sin in your life, it's just there and weighing you down. Nothing has to be latched. Iniquity in that basket and can't even come out come out because of the weight that is there. The sheer weight of the lead cover and becoming the stronghold of sin. Hebrews twelve one, God's Word says, Let us throw off everything that so easily entangles. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. When sin is little, when it's small, it's easy to toss it off. It's easy to toss it off. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me, Lord. I repent of that. I don't want to do that. And I toss it off. If you've ever been walking through weeds and they're just little bit of weeds, they're easy to deal with. This is the time of the year when you have a garden when a lot of people have gardens If your weeds are little they're easy to deal with you go in with the hoe you go in with the little rototiller whatever you might have or you go in and you spray them whatever it is But the, the little weeds are easy to take care of But once you let those weeds get a little bit bigger They start to entangle and they start to entrap us and they start to choke things out And if you let them get even a little bit bigger Then they're impossible you have the image of your garden in your mind. Those weeds just take over and they hold everything back and then the garden's just a pot. It's a waste. You can't even separate the weeds from whatever's good and it, and it just destroyed. Don't let sin entangle us. Don't let sin weigh you down when it starts to come into your life. Repent of it. Repent of it quickly. Apologize to God. Come before God. Allow God to wash you, to cleanse you, to renew you. And don't let the stronghold of sin take hold. When we read our Bibles, and we can see that there are many who had to be literally dragged away from their sin. And there were other people who didn't move until they had lost all hope. And there was other people who walked away from God, and they stayed in the basket of sin, and they were consumed by sin. All different kinds of stories in the Bible of people in different situations run away from sin, stay away from it, get away from the stronghold of sin. It will weigh us down It'll, it'll hold us down. It'll prevent us from being what God wants us to be. And it will hold us back in our ministry for God. It will hold us back in our prayer life. It'll hold us back in our Bible reading. I, I believe, I truly believe one of the main reasons people don't want to open up this book is because they are dealing with sin in their lives. And they know if they open up this book and read it, God's going to convict them more of the sin that's in their lives. And they don't want to deal with that. And so they put it down and they close it and they won't read it. Open up the book and just start reading about the standard of sin and allow God to start talking in your life and speaking in your life through the Holy Spirit so you understand that stronghold of sin that will hold you back and you can toss it off, you can cast it aside, and you can run the race for God that He wants us to. The only thing that can really help us is Jesus Christ, His death on on the cross that can set us free from the stronghold of, of our sin. Don't destroy the standard of sin. And right back, run right back into it, into the stronghold of sin, where He's rescued you. In the Old Testament, and we studied, I believe it was last year, the book of Hosea. When you read through the book of Hosea, you understand that God told him to go and take an adulterous wife. So he married Gomer. I love that name, Gomer. He married Gomer and brought her to be his wife, brought her out of her sin into a relationship with him and and hear this analogy because it points to us and the stronghold of sin in our lives and so here they are and they have their three children and we went through and we studied those and so gomer and hosea are married and then she decides she wants to go back into sin and it's so much worse than what it was before that she's actually working for as a slave. And God had to send Hosea back again. Hosea is ready to write her a certificate of divorce. We read in Hosea the whole chapter about the certificate of divorce. He's ready to get rid of her. And God says, give her one more chance. And he sends her back again, sends him back again. And he actually has to pay for his wife, pay for his wife, Gomer, and bring him back. Do you see the analogy Jesus paid for us to bring us into a relationship with him? And the story ends for us. Don't get caught in the stronghold of sin that it keeps pulling you back and pulling you back. Accept what God has done for you, the payment he has made for you on the cross to forgive you of your sins and to get rid of that stronghold and allow God's forgiveness to rest in your lives. He keeps calling us to rescue us and to save us. The standard of sin is before us in these images. And then we have the stronghold of sin that is sitting there. And then we get told about the separation of sin. This is the part of the story that I believe is the most destructive, the most painful, the most hurtful when we look at sin in our own lives and understand that it could really lead there. And we don't want it to lead there. Zechariah's prophecy continuing on in verses 9 through 11 where he looks up and he sees the two women that were there with the wind in their wings and they had wings like a stork and they lifted up the basket and they flew away with it took it to Babylon a stork was considered an unclean bird there are clean birds and there are unclean birds a stork was an unclean bird it's just fitting that an unclean uncleanness uncleanness sin would take the basket of sin away Babylon is always held up for us to be a place of of sin, a place of evil, a place that was to be destroyed, a place of destruction. And sin is taken away to the place of destruction. We want to destroy the standard of sin. Get this analogy. We want to destroy the standard of sin. God says he will destroy sin. There's a big difference there's a big difference we want to destroy the standard of sin God wants to destroy sin and get rid of it and that's what he's going to do he is going to get rid of sin and he's going to remove it from his presence because there's no place for sin in the kingdom of God look through the Bible God booted Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden there was no place for sin in the Garden of Eden Sodom and Gomorrah were wiped out destroyed there was no place for sin in the kingdom of God. Korah, Dathan, Abiram, God opened up the earth and consumed them, their families, and all of their possessions. Sin will always be separated from the presence of God. When we read through the book uh, in Revelation chapter 18 and look at that chapter in the book of Revelations, we can see how Babylon was dealt with and we will read about Babylon. I want to give you one verse from Revelation 18. It's 18.21. Then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a large millstone And threw it into the sea and said with such violence the great city of babylon will be thrown down never to be found again we're not talking about a physical city we're talking about sin the city of babylon the place of destruction the place of evil it will never be found again that's the end of the story that's that's what happens in the book of revelation our journey now is to make sure that sin does not separate us from god does sin separate us from god sure it does Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2. But your iniquities, your sin, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Or Micah 3, 4. Then they will cry out to the Lord, but he will not answer them. At that time he will hide his face from them because of the evil they have done. Exodus 32:33, Then the Lord replied to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book is isaiah 59 2 micah 3 4 exodus 32:33, very clear to me god will separate sin from his presence he is a holy god he is a righteous god and he says as i am holy be ye holy he calls us forth to be holy and to stand before him forgiven of our sin so let's wrap this all up hopefully you understand from these visions there is a standard of sin and you understand as well that there's a stronghold of sin in our lives We need to deal with the standard of sin by opening up the book and understanding what it is. Me preaching 52 weeks a year from this pulpit will not be able to communicate every standard of sin. And the standard of sin that God's dealing with me in my life right now is not the standard of sin he was dealing with me five years ago. I'll tell you the truth. The things that God dealt with me five years ago is not what he's dealing with me today. And that's because the more I read this book, God keeps taking me on a journey that's deeper and deeper and deeper in a relationship with him. And he keeps saying, now go deal with this, Ralph. I'm like, thanks a lot, God. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with that. And he says, yeah, you're going to deal with it. And he keeps plaguing me with it. And every time I read a scripture or passage, I'm saying, well, it's not about that. Yeah, it is about that, Ralph. Deal with it. Either confess it or I'm going to keep beating you on it. And that's what God does to me. I don't know how he deals with sin with you, but that's how he deals with me. And then when I'm able to deal with it and finally confess it, and he's, and through the grace of God, able to push it aside, and by the grace of God, able to throw it off so it doesn't entangle me and it doesn't entrap me, then God comes and says, Ralph, you're reading Zechariah 6. I got something new for you to deal with now. And I love it. I love it because that's opening up the standard of sin and allowing God to keep instructing me and teaching me and growing me. And I want Him to do the same in your life as well with the standard of sin. And with that, I don't want to be held down by the stronghold of sin. Understand it is a lead cover. Pick the biggest lead cover you can and stick it on the top of your head and it will weigh you down and it will trap you and it will hold you back. It'll hold you back. You won't want to jump into ministry because you'll say, I'm not worthy because I'm dealing with this sin. And God's saying, yeah, but I want to deal with this sin so you can go minister for me. And you're saying, I'm, I'm I'm weighed down by this. And the grace of God wants to say, I want to take that burden off of you and I want to break that chain. I want to set you free from that sin so you can go minister for me. Don't be held back by the stronghold of sin. Find yourself in repentance. But I want to say, sin, sin when it's unrepented does lead to a separation from God don't go down the road don't go down the road when you're heading down the road of sin and you look left and right and none of your brothers and sisters in the Lord are with you understand you might be heading down the wrong road when you're hanging out on a Saturday evening and there's not a Christian in sight understand you might be on the wrong road oh I can say yeah but I'm witnessing for God (laughs) understand you might be on the wrong road allow God to speak to your heart and get you off that road and get you coming back to Him on the narrow path that leads to God. Don't go down that road because in the end is destruction. In the end is separation from God. When we get to the eternal kingdom of God, when we get to His eternal dwelling place, there will be no sin. We will be 100% removed from the presence of sin. Today it's all around us, but one day we will stand before God and there will be no sin. And anyone who has not confessed their sin. Will find themselves separated from God as well. Find yourself, look into God. There's an old song, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. There's the answer at Calvary. At Calvary. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. That's why he went there. He loved us so much, he says. I want you to see my standard of sin and understand how it's a stronghold in your life and understand how it will separate you and keep separating you. And I want to set you free from that at Calvary. And he died on the cross for our sins to set us free. And he offers it, but we only have it if we want to receive it. When we want to confess our sins and allow Jesus to forgive us. I don't talk a lot about my running but the other day, I went for a, a short run with my, my daughter, a little bit over eight miles. And when we were about seven and a half miles in, it started to rain. And at that point, seven and a half miles in, 75 degrees, high humidity, I was already wet. I was wet from head to toe, soak, soaking wet. And it started to rain. And it was a nice one of those, it wasn't summer yet. It was still Friday, so it was still spring welcome to summer. On that last day of spring, that nice, warm spring rain, just washing down. Now, she was behind me a couple steps, not real far, just a couple steps, and we were nearing the end of a run, and I'm just running like this, with my hands up, just feeling that rain washing down over me. It felt so good. It was refreshing. It was uplifting. I could have stood out there for an hour and just let it wash all over me. It felt so good as we are finishing up the, rain, uh, up the run in the rain. And it made me think, that's what it's like when Jesus comes to us and he says, I want to forgive you. Just allow me to. And we say, yes, Jesus, I want your forgiveness in my heart. Yes, Jesus, I want you to cleanse me from my sin, to wash me, to make me new, to wash away my sin, because of what you did at Calvary. And we stand there. (laughs) It just pours. Just pours. Just pours. And we let that forgiveness, we let the forgiveness of sin just wash away the sin. It's refreshing. It's uplifting. It's energizing. But we only get it when we ask Jesus for it. That's what God wants to do in all of our lives. He wants us us to understand there's a standard of sin. He wants us to understand there's a stronghold that holds us back of sin. And He wants us to understand that sin is going to be separated from His presence. And then He offers us Jesus Christ to forgive us and to wash us, to cleanse us, to set us free. It's quite good. It's refreshing. It's uplifting. Jesus said in John 10.10, The thief comes to steal and destroy. I don't want that. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I do want that. I hope you want it too. Do you want Jesus? Grab a hold of him. He'll cleanse you. He'll forgive you. He'll wash away your sins. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, at Calvary, oh, I can't even fathom truly understand the great work that you did at calvary oh at the cross jesus you died for our sins you forgave us you cleansed us help us even today whatever sin we may be dealing with in our own lives lord help us today to ask for that forgiveness and get that cleansing in our lives help us heavenly father to truly understand the forgiveness that you have for us Lord, as we go our separate ways today, help us to be willing to open up your good book, to understand the standard of sin and to understand what you want to do in our lives and the goodness that you want us to do and and the bad that you want us to stay away from. There's two sides of that. Lord, help us to walk in your grace and your forgiveness. Lord, whenever sin starts to trap us, help us to come back to you and say, Lord, forgive me, cleanse me again. Wash me again. Help us, Lord, to understand clearly, clearly your forgiveness. Help us to say, yes, Jesus, I want you, Lord, in my life. I want your cleansing. I want a relationship with you. Give us that relationship, Lord, in a deep and mighty way. I ask you, Heavenly Father, that you pour out your grace upon us and you continue your hedge of protection around each and every one of us. You be with our families. Guide us. Give us your wisdom. May your bountiful blessings touch us. You're wonderful God. You've given us a wonderful place to worship you, and we thank you for the opportunity we had today. Thank you, Lord. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Uh, There is a gift for fathers and men in general. You don't have to be a father. So, you know, if you're a 10-year-old guy or...